I know there's a topic that comes up. I, I have conversations with people from time to time, and I have the opportunity to um, share with people on a particular topic. And it's the one topic that I know that most people really try to avoid. It's the one they really don't want to talk about. And here's my thing. I'm going to say with a assured confidence right now that every one of us in this church right now within 100 years will be dead. That's pretty much a given. You know, like death and taxes. You see how the, anyhow. You know, death is one of those realities. And at this time of the year especially, the church starts to turn its focus a little bit more toward the end times toward our final days. Our readings are especially going to be leading us that way. And it's up to you and to me to make sure that we're paying attention very carefully to the fact that, yes, we're going to die. But I used to enjoy working with the kids. And, and this time of year, like the seventh and eighth graders, I would start to do what's called the last four things. The last four things are a very common part of our church's patrimony or teaching. And the last four things are death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And the kids would always get to say, so when are you going to talk about hell? I'm like, I'd rather talk more about heaven if you don't mind. But their fascination, and it, and it seems to me in our culture, especially some of the younger people, they're so fascinated by the evil, maybe through all the video games and movies and uh, TV shows and stuff that they're watching, that that seems to be more of a fascination to them. And when I talk about the reality of it, and I let them know that it's not a place that you want your soul to be someday, they, they don't quite get that connection. But let's face it, there will be death for all of us, there will be judgment, and it's either heaven or hell. And so I bring this up and I say this in, in all sincerity because we're heading towards the end times, and I believe the end times are imminent, based especially on a lot of what we see around us and the things that are going on. And while this might have been a true statement down through the ages, Jesus will come at a time unknown and either you're going to be ready or not. Either you will be ready or not. But when he comes, that's it. So please do me a favor. Be ready. Work to be ready. Do what you need to be ready. But don't think and ever stop thinking or start thinking that you are finally ready. Because until the moment comes, you got to keep working at it and keep working at it and keep working at it. See, you know, a lot of times, like I say to myself, and I openly admit, I don't think I'm ready. I, I keep working at it. I'm trying and I'm praying. But, the, you know, if it happened right now, am I truly ready? And I have to admit that maybe there are some things that I could do better. There are things that I can change. There are, there are ways that, uh, that I do that need to be different. And that doesn't de-obligate me from trying a little harder, from doing a little bit more. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, let's ask ourselves the question, do we truly believe that we will be judged? Because I see a lot of people thinking and acting and talking like, well, everybody goes to heaven, it's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. There will be judgment. Make no mistake, at the very second you die, you will be judged. There will be a judgment, and you'll have your whole your conscience will be exposed to you. Your whole life will be exposed to you. And in that flash of a second, Jesus will make a judgment. And I pray that you can say, I was ready for that moment. I, I really do. But let's face it. In that moment, 
I, I can't say this strongly enough. In that moment, you don't get to call your lawyer. You don't get to plead your case. You don't get to give all the excuses why you were protecting certain sins in your life and trying to keep those sins basically justifying or rationalizing why you're going to continue to commit certain sins. You don't get to give all the excuses and all the reasons, you know, like, and, and I hear it all the time. It's like, you know, well, I got angry because so-and-so did this and so-and-so did this and so-and-so did this. And therefore, I had, I, I was okay that I got angry because they deserved it. But it was anger nonetheless. And it's things like that. You don't get to do that with Jesus. You don't get to, to make your case, so to speak, with Jesus. And so I wonder in my own mind how we got here. And, and I have to admit that, that there's been a lot of change in people's attitudes, especially with Catholic attitudes, since the Second Vatican Council especially. We've seemed to have moved away from that understanding that there truly is a life we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be following the will of God, listening to the will of God, living that virtue and that goodness each and every day, repenting of our sins, accepting his grace. And yet it seems that a lot of us have got blinders today to that part of it. And you can even see it like, I, I always like when, when I hear confessions, I'm always curious as to which act of contrition I'm gonna hear. Because there are several of them that are permitted. There are several of them that are out there. But the older folks, especially myself included, I, I do the one with the pains and fire. I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. That's the one, I say that one whenever I go to confession. And that one's like a powerful stark words for me to say, no, I dread losing heaven. That's why I'm here repenting. That's why I'm confessing my sins. Then there was one a little bit after that that I kind of remember too, because we were kind of learning that when I was learning the act of contrition. It's the one that has that line, because of your just punishment, which is the one I think I have in the confessional right now, which kind of watered it down a little bit, because of your just punishment. What does that mean? Okay. Then there's the one we have today. There's no mention of anything in it at all. The ones that the kids do today, you know, my God, I'm sorry for my sins and choosing to do wrong and failing to do good. What's the penalty for doing wrong? What's the penalty for sin? Well, it's the pains and fires of hell. And I think that same trend that we see there is the same trend that many of us kind of follow. And so I openly say, we know for sure that there will be a judgment and those whose lives are not worthy will go to hell. Now, here's, here's the reality. The church has never said that there's anybody in hell by name. There's no human being that we've ever said that when they died, they went to hell. Now, there's some of us that want to say who's in hell. There's some of us who you know, think we know. We don't understand the infiniteness of God's mercy in that regard. And what happens to a person in those final moments could be an absolute repentance of their sins. We don't know. We do know name by names, people in heaven, we call them saints, but not when it comes to those who are condemned. But there is reality. We've had mystics down through the ages. We've had visionaries down through the ages who have been given visions of hell. The children of Fatima, for example, who changed their lives radically after seeing souls in torment, who changed their lives and started praying for sinners at nine and 10 years old. Their, their lives were completely and radically changed by this experience. And so I think for all of us, we have to pay attention. The Gospels in the coming weeks are now that latter part of Matthew's Gospel. We're getting towards the end um, of, of Jesus's public ministry. And we're actually 22, 23, 24, and 25, the latter chapters. And at this point right now, Jesus is going to have a couple of encounters. And like this week, he has this encounter 
what was going on in this dynamic? Now, first off, my radar comes on as soon as someone comes up and starts to butter me up. And these, these Pharisees, they walk up, oh, you're such a great guy. You, you're so wonderful. You court nobody's favor. You're a good guy. So tell us, should we pay the tax? Like Jesus isn't going to see through that. But what does Jesus call them? He calls them hypocrites. Now, that's a powerful word, if you ask me. And that's a telling word, if you ask me. Where did that come from? This is, this is our Lord and Savior who is basically preparing to make the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And he's looking right at the leadership of his time and calling them hypocrites. We all can be hypocrites in some ways. We say one thing, we do another. How did he, how did he catch them? Give me a coin. They had the coin. They were in the temple area. They had a Roman coin. Now, make no mistake, because he, he traps them. He said, well, whose image is this? It's Caesar. Caesar was known to be a god. Those who were Caesar were gods, violation of the first commandment. You are carrying a graven image with you. You have something on your person, you holy and wonderful Pharisees that you are. You have a graven image. You, you, this is the same group of people that, if you've been listening to the gospel all along, this is the same group of people that have been like popping out from behind the door and saying, we caught you, Jesus, you violated the Sabbath. They, they got caught in their own hypocrisy. And we have to be aware of that. I think all of us have to be aware of that. We all know. We're all aware, but we have to be vigilant and we have to be constantly looking forward because in the coming weeks, we're going to hear like next week about the, the law of love, that it's the love that we're supposed to be really living, not just rules. And then after that, Jesus is going to skewer the Pharisees and he's going to call them such horrible people and you, you know, whitewash tombs and you, you're successors, but you're worse than they are and et cetera. I mean, he's going to give a really rousing homily to these, these guys and call them all sorts of terrible things. Then we skip over what I would hope we could have had. So please read like chapters 23 and 24 of Matthew's gospel. We got a little bit of it last, last year on the first Sunday of Advent, where he talks about the second coming. There will be two out in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. And this whole thing about what's, what's forthcoming. And then chapter 25. Chapter 25 of Matthew's Gospel, which is, in my opinion, extremely important because it, it goes against chapter 5. So 25 and 5 are the bookends where Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount, lays out his manifesto, and then he gets to the end and he says, and for all of those things that I've said, there will be a judgment. And so in Matthew 25, we've got the ten virgins, five were foolish, five were wise. We then have the parable of the talents, what did you do with what I gave you? Then we get the great judgment of the nations, sheep and goats on either side. Jesus makes it clear, yes, there will be no excuses. Live your lives now as if it's imminent. Live your life in this very second as if you will die and be judged. Or that he will have the great second coming, which again, I believe is, is somewhat imminent. My dear brothers and sisters, I love you too much to not say this out loud. I say it to myself, I say it to you. Start living the faith. Start being a better Catholic. So many Catholics have fallen away. I worry about their souls. Try to encourage them to reignite the faith in their lives. That's love. That's real love. 
You'll hear that next week. I'll talk more about that next week. But for you yourselves, reignite your faith. Ask yourself the question, am I truly living the faith? So questions like, how often do I go to confession? That's a very important question. And for so many Catholics today, it's like, eh, whenever. I try to go every month, if not more. How often do you go to confession? Confession is an extremely important part of being a Catholic. It's not optional. At least once a year, the catechism says, I say more. Our Blessed Mother has said more. Get to confession. Repent of your sins. Don't just go in, list your sins, and have no plan of change. Walk out of there saying, you know what? I'm a compulsive liar. Let me become more truthful. I am always racked by anger. Let me try to be kinder to people. Let me try to find other ways to resolve conflicts. We have to be working with the Lord on this. We have to be working on living his will. But be sure of some things that you need to be sure of. And those things are what's coming. How is it all going to end? When is it all going to end? So I encourage you, there's a great podcast on Formed. Formed is a thing. It's in the bulletin. If you haven't got your account, you can get one very easily. It's all explained in the bulletin. It was done by Father Mike Schmitz. And I do like Father Mike Schmitz. I listen to him a lot. I mean, I'm probably listening to him over an hour a day right now because I do the catechism and the Bible and listen to his homilies and all the other stuff he does. Um, he's got a wonderful demeanor about him. And I love the way he presents things. He's got a podcast on the last four things. You can look it right up. It'll come right up. There's information for you if you want to get it. The last four things. Learn a little bit more about what it is we're facing about what it is that's a very key part of what it means, like what we say in the creed. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. What do we mean by that? Judgment is going to be real. And like I said, in an instant, it's going to be over. No explanations, no discussion. Either you did or you didn't. Either he'll look at you and say, my good and faithful servant, or he will say, off. Please be ready. Please work on being ready. That's my responsibility to you, to help you get ready, to help you be ready. So let's get ready together. Let's start working with each other on becoming virtuous and holy people, on encouraging and praying for one another. Pray for the person that irritates you. Pray for the person that gives you a difficult time. Pray for the person that has so many, gives you so many trials. Pray for their conversion. Pray for your own conversion. But get yourself ready. Because when, when he comes, ready or not, it's going to happen. Be ready. God bless you.